And we welcome you into episode two of the 2021 Best Podcast Available, presented by our great friends at Key Private Bank. First checking account gribble that I ever had came from Key Bank and uh, Big Bank. Big, happy, we're on board. We have a sponsor. We've made it, Gribs. That's kind of how I'm feeling here on this Thursday, nine weeks out from the 2021 NFL draft right here in Cleveland, Ohio. Gribs, a pleasure to have you back and on board. Uh, the snow is melting, life getting back to normal, and our city doesn't look like uh, the Hoth scene out of Star Wars. Yeah, you know, it, it really is. I feel like we're turning a corner. I feel like we're getting closer and closer. I, I, February always flies by because you're like making plans and you're you set due dates on things and you're like, Oh, that thing's due in March. Like it's no big deal. And then all of a sudden you're like, wow, next Wednesday, that's like March 3rd. Yeah. That, yeah. that, that sneaks up in our hurry. So uh, I'm adjusting, adjusting. Well, the thought is, is, is beautiful. I feel like we've had snow on the ground for the last like four months. The one thing I'm missing is, is the road trip. I think it's, that's where this is going to drag a little bit. We're, we're just going to have to keep filling the space with mock drafts, our, our opinions that are, you know, somewhat educated, somewhat not educated, but we'll keep learning more and more just so we can be educated enough on time to be wrong on draft day. There you go. Exactly. Coming up on the program today, Ryan Wilson, draft guru for CBSSports.com will join us. We've got a mock draft to look at from Sports Illustrated that, that is a little interesting and does have us making a major move up into the middle of the first round. We'll get Gribbs' thoughts on that. We'll talk a little bit more about what should have been combine week in Indianapolis as well. We're a few weeks out from free agency. Uh, the franchise tags can now be applied, Gribbs, and, and it'll be interesting to see what a lot of teams do. I think every team's waiting to see what that uh, salary cap will come in at uh, and, and where we'll be. We know what the basement is for the salary cap, but how high it could get, how little it's going to grow, I think a lot of teams waiting to see how that looks before applying those free, uh, uh, those, those tags, whether it's a transition tag, whether it's a franchise tag. We're also starting to see from a draft standpoint, we're starting to get this pro day schedule in. And with no combine, the pro days are going to be pretty important this year. And we talked a little bit about that last week. Some notable pro days already, March 11th, Clemson, March 12th, Oklahoma, the 23rd of March, Alabama, late March, March 30th, Ohio State, March 31st, Florida, Notre Dame, and LSU. What pro day are you most interested in, my friends? Well, you know, I'm, I'm just sticking with the guys that are getting projected towards the Browns because, you know, I, the, Trevor Lawrence, I, I've seen him throw plenty of passes. I know he's going to go number one. I don't, I don't need to watch Clemson's pro day. But the, the guys, the two that stood out to me on this list that you, you sent, I think March 23rd, Alabama, that stands out to me. One, because it's going to be covered by everyone and there's a lot of players there and we'll, we'll get to see all sorts of, of the top guys get measured and do all sorts of stuff. But Christian Barmore, the defensive tackle out of there, he's someone that's been linked to the Browns in, in a number of these mock drafts. Some people believe he is the best defensive tackle in this year's draft. And that this is a weird defensive tackle class where you could get the best defensive tackle number 25. Usually you don't, that doesn't happen, but that's more reflective uh, of the class itself. And Barmore is an interesting prospect because he's someone that did not really kind of show up until the last half of his, the second half of his career, basically. So, uh, or the second half of, of his final season in Alabama, he's a redshirt sophomore. So 
He's part of the pipeline there. There's there's good bones. There's good 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 bloodlines at Alabama with the defensive linemen. So you wonder if you can get someone who's really on the ascent because he was a defensive MVP in the national championship. Uh, someone that that could really be a potential game wrecker, a young player uh, that could help your defensive line. So that's one I'm watching. And then the second one is Notre Dame's with with linebacker Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa. He's a, an athletic freak. Uh, a 215-pound linebacker, I, I, we'll see. He's been mocked to the Browns a bunch of times by a bunch of different analysts and someone where the coverage skills at, at that linebacker position could be so huge for the, for the Browns. It's something, an area that they've struggled in for at, basically since I've been with the Browns is to have linebackers that can cover. That's the future of the NFL. And I think he is a player that is reflective of the future of the NFL and that we're even talking about a 215-pound linebacker going in the first round. So when you're looking at these pro days uh, and the NFL has been working with a lot of these colleges to kind of implement a, a system across the board where NFL scouts can get a true feel for what these guys can or, or, or can't do. And it's up to the colleges if they want to go along with it or not, but the colleges are trying to showcase their guys in the best possible light. Uh, March 30th, March 31st for some of these big colleges. I mean, that's, that's weeks away from the NFL draft. The, these, these pro days are, are, are really backing up toward the end of March and almost into April. Is, is that concerning at all if you're an NFL team that's scouting some of these guys? I mean, I don't know if it's concerning because we, we always hear about how these are the final checks in the boxes for, for stuff that you probably already know. And, and maybe this eliminates the John Rosses of the NFL draft process. I mean, maybe this eliminates – what happened with, what was it, Orlando Brown uh, a couple of years ago at the Ravens where he just had a wretched combine and then kind of fell in the draft. And then, hey, it turns out he's a really good NFL player. So it, it's what, maybe that's something that gets uh, eliminated by this. But because I, I think the interviews are so important, I don't think this that'll hold up the interview part of the schedule. I, I honestly think it's more reflective of kind of where we are as society right now. We're, we're, whenever you, you have the ability to pick a later date, whether it be a wedding, whether it be a, a party you're trying to throw or a, a, a meeting, and you want it to be as, as normal as possible, I, I feel like you're grabbing onto that latest possible date. And I think that you see those big schools are like, they probably looked at the schedule and they're like, when can we do this at the latest possible time? Not only to maybe have the most normal atmosphere, but also get some of our guys healthy. Uh, you know, you look at Ohio State, they played it up to the last game of the season. You see Alabama's later there as well. They, they, they won the whole thing. So getting some of these players healthy uh, and, and uh, knowing that this is their really their one shot to do all this stuff, I, I think that plays into it as well. Yeah, I, I definitely think. And again, we're still adding pro days. I mean, there are a lot of colleges that still haven't announced their pro days yet. These are just some of the big ones, but there's a lot of schools still. And, and uh, it, we're seeing a lot of schools that you know, a lot of times like a Bowling Green or, or an Ohio, maybe they don't have their own pro day, but they get to send their guys to the Ohio State pro day. You know, they, they tag along with Ohio State. Now you're seeing a lot of the Mac schools having their own pro days and, and a lot of colleges really trying to showcase all of their guys. And there's only so many places you can go. There's only so many Zooms you can do at one time. And uh, I think the days are running low on being able to get all of those pro days in and get to watch all the of that tape on those guys. Well, how about the extra dynamic of the, I mean, it's a small portion of your draft pool 
but the FCS is playing football right now. Sure. I got to see a little bit of coach prime's debut at Jackson state this past weekend. And I, my, my buddy Ross Dellinger was down there for that. Uh, he, he covered it and you've got, I mean, Jackson state's put some players in the NFL and, and I don't know what their situation is this year, but there's going to be some NFL players playing some games in this winter and spring, a school like Jacksonville state, which is a big, a big school in the FCS. They're, they're set to play 20 games in the year 2021. I mean, it's just, it's nuts, but you know, this was, everyone kind of scoffed at the idea of spring football. Well, the FCS is pulling it off and they're going forward with it for a little bit here. So uh, it's, that'll throw another wrinkle in it. And, and for those guys that are probably a small portion of the draft pool, they're, they're probably just hoping they don't get hurt, but they can, they can maybe impress some teams for these later rounds. Yeah, uh, definitely a lot to watch and a lot to digest if you're an NFL team and you're an NFL front office. And luckily the Browns with, a, with an advantage, you know, the, the front office is intact. The coaching staff's intact year two working together. And, and really they were on the forefront a year ago on this and, and getting through this and no reason to think that that isn't the case again here in 2021 nfl.com with every team's three biggest needs this offseason and we'll get a little bit more into this closer to free agency well, you know i, I want to get you and zagura in a room together um and really kind of break down the top needs for this football team but they listed for us the top three needs in no particular order linebacker edge and corner do you di agree, disagree with those three? Not in any order. We're not going to put them in an order yet, but uh, do you agree, disagree? What would be number four? And, and I say that because on Browns Daily the other day, there was a conversation had if wide receiver isn't the number one need for offense. And you would look at it and you'd say, well, you got Odell, you have Jarvis, you have Donovan Peoples-Jones, but everybody else then is a free agent, free agent or – They've just been signed to a futures reserve contract. Not a lot of depth in that wide receiver room. And you've got Odell coming back from an ACL injury. Your thoughts uh, on those top three needs? That's tough. I, I, I will, I'll be boring first. I, I agree that those are the three biggest needs for this team. I, I don't know if, I mean, we can quibble about the order, and I think the order will be determined in free agency. I think if it holds, holds true, I think going into the draft, I imagine Edge will remain uh, maybe the top one because – it's just a hard position to address in free agency unless you want to go broke. I mean, it's just an expensive position uh, to fill in, in free agency. But, you know, I'm, I'll throw this out there for offense. I, I can go along with the notion that you, you, could, you should address wide receiver. But if you use the same logic where the wide receivers, your starters are pretty much set, you've got Donovan Peoples-Jones coming off a good year, then I'll apply the same mindset to offensive tackle. I, I think that's just as much of a need I, I get that you put three or four wide receivers on the field uh, and, and you tap into that depth much more than you hope to at tackle. But if you have to play that tackle, it's pretty important that that guy can be pretty solid. And you're losing Ken. You don't know if you're, you don't know if you're losing Ken Lamb. He is your one free agent at that position. He's a solid guy that it'd be, it'd be great if you can come back. He's a versatile player who stepped up for you in that position. Uh, but he is poised to be a free agent. So that's that's an uncertainty. Chris Hubbard had a, a knee injury they had to have surgery on late in the season. So you wonder what his status will be uh, when, when you get toward training camp and early in the season. Hopefully he will be ready. But otherwise, it's a lot of unproven kind of commodities at that backup tackle position. And you don't want to have a drop, a major drop off 
from Jedrick Wills or Jack Conklin to the next guy up. So I'll, I'll make the argument that I, I would like to kind of fill the pipeline with, with some tackles. I'd like it to be a good problem to have that you have too many good tackles, but that's, that's one I would argue. I know it's boring. I know we don't want to go people. They, I, th- I feel like we had people snoozing through our endless podcast last year, breaking down tackle prospects for the first round, but it, it's an area where you just couldn't fix it in one off one off season. You, you did a heck of a job addressing it last year but it doesn't mean it's done. And I, I could see that being a position to address. Well, you live to the finish line yeah. <laughs> on that offensive line. You really did. I mean, if one of those guys gets hurt in that Kansas City game, I, I don't know if we know who's playing yeah. on the offensive line. I mean, we, you, you saw how important, how valuable, as, as brief as it was, where Nick Harris had to step in. I mean, and, and he had to play a position that's not even his top position. So I would I would like to, to add a body or two where their first position is tackle. I, I, I'm confident you, there are some interior linemen that can play tackle in a pinch. I mean, I'm sure Michael Dunn can do it. Blake Hans, I'm sure those guys could, they've, they've, they've stepped up, they've had to, had to do it. But I, I would like some more true tackles in the pipeline if you don't bring back Kendall Lane. All right. So that's a look at some of the big stories that are making news this week as it pertains to the NFL draft. Now just nine weeks away from more on the draft. Uh, he's one of the better NFL draft experts around the NFL. Ryan Wilson from CBSSports.com and the Pick 6 podcast. He just sat down with us. Some great insight on the defensive side of the football as it pertains to the draft. What he thinks about the Browns uh, pick at 26 and, and who may or may not be a good fit right there. And uh, the draft as a whole and putting together a mock draft in a year of a pandemic when there is no NFL combine Ryan Wilson with Andrew Gribble and myself presented by key private bank, have a watch and have a listen. And here on the best podcast available presented by our great friends at key private bank, Jason Gibbs alongside Andrew Gribble, happy to be joined by the draft guru for CBS sports, CBS sports HQ. You can see him on, you can hear him on the pick six podcast all over CBS sports properties. Ryan Wilson joins us here on the best podcast available. Ryan, appreciate a few minutes of your time. And we were talking about it just before, uh, just before we started taping this and uh, it, it, it sucks not being in Indianapolis this week and not being at the NFL combine. Yeah, absolutely, Jason. And it's uh, it's funny. One of my uh, coworkers texted me a picture from the Indy airport from a year ago. He said, yeah, this was 12 months ago. And it feels like I was telling you, and, and Andrew, it feels like it was a, a, like 10 years ago. It's been so long. And I know there are plenty of other things that, that we should be worried about, but I, I feel like we're coming out of this thing. And I hope, like, I don't know what's going to happen with the draft in Cleveland. I would love to be there as part of work. I don't know if we're going to get to that point. But um, I feel like that's right around the time, maybe a little bit after that, things will start to feel normal. Hopefully we'll have off-season workouts and, of course, training camps and hopefully fans will be back in the stands uh, in in September for the 2021 season. But, man, it it was a long year, longer for some people, obviously, uh, in terms of uh, losing loved ones and and, and stuff like that. But it's been a long year for people who have, as you mentioned, been out of the – not been able to go to work, not been able to see your coworkers. So – I, I feel like we're turning a corner and hopefully, uh, you know, things will quote unquote feel close to normal uh, in the next few months and, and maybe even sooner. Ryan, how is this going to affect how you formulate your mock drafts over the next month and a half without having that big checkpoint with the combine? 
Yeah, one of the great things for me about the combine and working for CBS Sports is that we were able to talk to the players. We probably talked to uh, 50 to 100 kids last year uh, who would come on set and spend five, 10 minutes with us. And as a draft guy, I could ask them questions that maybe they weren't getting asked um, by just national football media, guys who haven't been watching them play forever and, and didn't have specific questions. And for me, that was invaluable. Uh, I remember talking to AJ Epinesa, who ended up being the second round pick of the Bills, the edge rusher from Iowa, about could he play inside? Um, because th those were some questions, because he wasn't particularly twitchy, for example, to, to sort of get inside baseball. And he looked at, at me like you're looking at me now and answered the question very truthfully, and that's something you can't do. Uh, I got to talk to Justin Jefferson after he weighed in and um, was 200 pounds or 195, whatever he was, 6'1", 6'2", because the concern was that he was going to be short. He wasn't short. And I got to talk to him about can he play outside, and he looked at me and said, yeah, man, I played outside two years ago before the 2018 season. So those are the things that are the toughest. I mean, you can talk to scouts and, and scouts have seen these kids to some degree, but not to the degree that they would have in previous years, but you don't get to see them with your own eyeballs. You don't get to look them in the eye and talk to them. And you get a sense for a person and spending five, 10 minutes with them much more so than having just watched them uh, on tape or on, on broadcast television games. So that's the biggest issue. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter for me. I mean, I'm still knocking wood going to have a job, but it does matter for these NFL teams, and you guys know this better than I do, that it, you can't miss on a guy in the first and second round. Uh, there's no excuse because every all 32 teams are going through the same thing. So you still have to be as vigilant as ever and sometimes probably even more vigilant in a year like this because you don't have that face-to-face. -face. The, the combine, as we know, it isn't going to be there. We just talked about that. But even the interviews are going to be over Zoom. So I can get a sense for a player over Zoom, but certainly not – you can't tell how tall he is. I, I mean, you can have the measurements and all that. So those are the, the, the biggest concerns or the biggest differences, I should say, because I love being able to talk to these guys face-to-face -face and, and ask them questions just about the, the football side of things and what that meant for them and ultimately what it meant for me. So the NFL, I, I mean, the, the world basically shut down after the NFL combine. I think it was just a couple of weeks later that everything closed up shop and, and we all started this whole working from home and uh, spending time on Zoom. What did you learn from last year once – you know, the pandemic really hit this country that you were able to take and, and use this year, knowing full well that there's not going to be an NFL combine. Yeah, that's a really good question. So I've, I've been covering the NFL for CBS since 2011. So I'm almost 10 years in, which is also in and of itself nuts, but I've only been doing the draft. This is my third draft. And uh, for me, it, it was a trial by fire the first time in 20, the 2019 draft the 2018-2019 season because I while I watched NFL football because of my job I hadn't watched a lot of college football so I had to jump in with both feet and it was a learning process from that year to last year and certainly from last year to this year so uh, one of the most important things and you guys probably know this too spending too much time on Twitter isn't good for your health in general but you can get caught up and sort of draft Twitter and be convinced of things that you your eyeballs aren't telling you and Early on, when I was doing this, I, I didn't know what I – like, I didn't trust myself. And the more I go through it and the more I talk to people around the league, look, man, people have differences of opinion on, on players. And, it doesn't, and I think that you have to trust what you see. And if you don't trust what you see, go back and watch more. And, um, and this really doesn't even necessarily require you to have a combine or not have a combine. But the, the takeaway for me was 
don't get too caught up in Twitter. So I'm on Twitter, obviously for work, but this is the time of year right around February that I, I I'm on Twitter less because you will see and hear things. And the funny thing is like, uh, you know, I do a mock draft literally every week for work. It's, it's bonkers. There's no sane reason to do that, but you know, people like to, to read it and people like to yell and scream about it. So this is a time of year where Twitter uh, fans are extremely angry, <laughs> typically about whatever I have their team doing. And, um, by and large, I, I, that doesn't really affect me. That's part of the deal, and I get that. But but in terms of people um, in in the media uh, and, and what they like and what they don't like, you can get sucked into that. And what you find is the more you do it, the more you talk to folks around the league, there are differences of opinion, and that's okay. Just you know, have conviction in why you like a guy and then go from there. And by the way, at the end of the day, when we look back in years two, three, and four, we're all wrong about probably 70% of the time on these guys. Like Justin Jefferson went 22nd overall. He had 1,400 receiving yards. Let's – settle down. And I don't think a lot of people thought Henry Ruggs was the best wide receiver, but the Raiders did and they took him. And you know, that that's happens. That's just sort of the process. So I, I think trusting yourself more um, as I go through, this is one thing I've learned and, and even sort of getting around your question there, the combine, whether it happened or not, it wouldn't have mattered, but just having more confidence in what you do. And I think that sort of comes with, with any job you're in, the more you're in it, the more you feel more comfortable in, in what you're doing. How are you judging the, the players that didn't play last year? How has that affected what you're doing? And because you're usually if there's a, someone that didn't play last year, it's because of an injury, but these guys weren't injured. I mean, how, how are you evaluating them? And, and have you found yourself maybe moving them up more than you thought or moving them down more maybe than you, than you might have thought you were doing? That's a good question. And, and uh, the thing is for players like Micah Parsons, the, the off-ball linebacker, you can actually play anywhere at Penn State, or Jamar Chase, the wide receiver at LSU, it has zero effect. <laughs> the The only concern for someone like Jamar Chase is that uh, you get caught up in watching Devonta Smith. And Devonta Smith had a fantastic season. You know, he deserved to win the Heisman. But you go back and watch Jamar Chase, like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember why he is special. But then you have guys like Rashad Bateman opted out, then he opted back in, the wide receiver from Minnesota, and then he opted out sort of halfway through a weird season. And I, I, I get that. But he looked like a different player. Like he looked, he changed numbers from 13 to, to zero. And the first thing you notice is he, he didn't look as big. And I said, that's weird. And, and I didn't know if it was the fact that he, like the number made him look smaller, but he wasn't, he looked like he was 15 pounds lighter. So you have questions there. And again, I don't get to see him in person. So I, I don't know. So I have to t talk to people uh, that do get to see him in person and find out. But that, well, I was talking to Scott in December about him and he said, yeah, he looked really thin and sort of you know, not that the body type that we saw. So that's a question. And, and he played a few games, but then there's players like Jamie Newman, the quarterback from Wake Forest, who transferred to Georgia that I was really excited to see play. And I, I don't begrudge any kid for choosing to opt out for whatever their reasons, whether it's monetary or concerns about family, whatever that's, I, I fully respect that. But selfishly, I did want to see him play just to see him get out of that offense at Wake Forest, which was this sort of RPO slow mesh offense uh, and put him in an offense in Georgia where he'd have a chance to face some of the best players in the country and do it in a slightly different offense, hopefully ones that, that, that would throw the ball a little more frequently. But it, he opted out right before the season, so we didn't get to see that. He went to the Senior Bowl. I wasn't at the Senior Bowl. We didn't send anyone from CBS Sports. And, you know, not surprisingly, he looked a little rusty. So I think it depends on the player. There's not an instance like Gregory Rousseau is another player who came in as a top five player probably in the media's eyes, um, the edge rusher out of, out of Miami. He was a converted wide receiver. He does not have a lot of experience at edge rusher. He had 15 and a half sacks in 2019. You'll go, like, oh, God, I can't wait to see him play. He opted out, which is his right. But I think that's an example of someone getting pushed down the boards because of lack of experience. And NFL teams are certainly concerned about that 
for certain positions and the emergence of other edge rushers who played and played pretty well. Quiddy Pay out of Michigan came back and played. He played really well. Jalen Phillips, a guy who took his number at Miami and had retired in 2018 because of injuries, he, he had a fantastic season. That's another example. Azizo Jalari, who's at Georgia, had a really good season. So these guys are getting pushed up. And through no fault of his own, Gregory So, at least in the media's eyes, you talk to some folks around the league, I'm like, yeah, there are questions about what type of player he can be only because we haven't seen a lot of him. So it's a mixed bag. The players at the very top, it doesn't matter. Like Trey Lance, he, he didn't opt out. The season just ca- was canceled for him in North Dakota State, the quarterback. And he played one showcase game in which he, he was fine, but he played exactly like you expect someone to play who hadn't played in six or seven or eight months. Uh, I think he's exactly the same place he, he would have been had he played. Um, maybe he's higher if he balls out at FCS. Uh, North Dakota State, but uh, he's a top 12 guy, I think. And I think NFL teams certainly understand that too. So taking a look at this draft and you said it yourself, I I believe your 25th mock just came out and and we'll get, (laughs) we'll get to that coming up here in just a minute. But what are you seeing on the defensive side of the ball in terms of the positions that are the strongest? I know here in Cleveland, a lot of people are saying maybe that first pick is going to be spent on defense in some way, shape, or form. What are the strengths of this year's draft on the defensive side of the football? Well, I think cornerback's pretty deep, and I don't know how the Browns feel, the, the fans at least feel about cornerback, because you know, they have Denzel Ward, Greedy Williams has struggled to stay healthy. Um, so maybe there's some concerns there. But the, the safety class is not deep, but it depends on how you look at the safety class. So in this week's mock draft, I had him actually, the Browns, taking the safety for the first time in forever. I think usually it's been defensive line or edge rusher. Um, and I had him taking Trevon Morig out of TCU, who's a, a really good free safety. He can play in the slot. Um, I know I'm a Steelers homer. I don't know if we talked about that last time, but I know Browns fans in general were not crazy about Andrew Sandejo being back there, uh, good or bad. But if you added depth there, I, I get that. But then if you talk about someone like Jeremiah Usu-Koromoa out of Notre Dame, he's, he's a linebacker at Notre Dame, but he's one of these hybrid players that probably is going to be better suited at safety. And if you want someone like that, Sort of like a Jabril Peppers, obviously Browns fans are familiar with him, that type of athleticism, that type of versatility, and he's not a free safety, but he can certainly play the Isaiah Simmons type hybrid role. There are guys like that, Hamson Natural Dean uh, out of uh, Florida State who was injured at the end of 2019. So I think the safety class is sneaky deep. Uh, the off-ball linebacker class has some playmakers. Uh, we talked about Micah Parsons, but there's Jamin Davis out of Ken- Kentucky. Uh, there was, who was I watching? Oh, Baron Browning at Ohio state. You guys probably know him really well. I was just watching the the Clemson game yesterday and I know <laughs> there's a play like Trevor Lawrence beat him around the edge once early in the game. And there's a play later, an RPO play where Trevor handed off to, I think Travis ATN and Baron was on the edge and absolutely jacked up Trevor Lawrence, who was running the fake to the point where he landed on his shoulders on his back and he got up and was looking for like a flag for a, a rough roughing the pass or whatever. And um, later in the game, Baron actually ran down Trevor Lawrence on another. He was trying to score around the edge. He's a good player. And, and that's no surprise coming out of Ohio State. But I was just sort of recently been watching him and impressed with him. So there are guys there. Uh, cornerback, I mentioned. Edge rusher has some guys. You can find guys in the first three rounds that can help you along the edge. Defensive tackle class is not that deep. But if you're in the top 60 picks, you can find a guy there either late in the first if you're the Browns or at some point in the second, maybe even early third, that can help your team immediately. I'm going to ask you about two linebackers that a lot of other mock drafts have had go to the Browns, but you have them actually go much higher in the draft. So you obviously have a pretty high opinion of these guys. Zayvon Collins out of Tulsa uh, and Jeremiah Owusu-Koromora. 
two two kind of different kind of guys, but but what do you like about them, and and why do why do their skills translate to the next level? Yeah, Usu Cormo is insanely athletic, and um, I work with Brady Quinn at, at CBS. He's also at Fox, and you guys certainly know him from Notre Dame and when he was with the Browns, but he, he's not surprisingly super high on Usu Cormo. But he says when you see him work out or whatever that's going to end up being combine wise, his numbers are going to blow people away just because that's the type of insane athlete he is. And, and as I mentioned, he's sort of that Isaiah Simmons hybrid type, that Derwin James hybrid type. Uh, I talked to scouts that like him better in the second round, but the athleticism just, I mean, it gets your attention. And there's some questions about his instincts, but uh, again, when you're a scout, your job is to find things wrong with players. And sometimes there, there aren't things wrong with players. And, and I think, is he, does he have room to grow? Absolutely. But, it, but I think he is, uh, has a chance to, to, to be special because of the athleticism. I think I've had him going to the Browns. Again, I've done 25 of these freaking mock drafts. So I think at some point, Zayvon Collins is another guy who, <laughs> the funny thing is, he outweighs Cormoa, Owusu Cormoa, maybe about 30 or 40 pounds. I think he's listed at 260. He's 6'4". He plays in the middle of the field. He's not an edge rusher. Sometimes you see him listed as an edge rusher, but he played primarily in the middle of the field. He had two pick sixes last year. One was like an 85-yarder where no one came close to catching him. Um, he could be more physical sometimes trying to get off blocks or trying to not trying to avoid the blocks in, in terms of the run game. But again, the, these guys are 21, 20, 21, 22 years old. He's going to get better. But the athleticism, the physicality, the ability to go sideline to sideline is, is there and it gets your attention. And we're seeing, you know, we've seen the evolution of these linebackers over the last few years. A lot of ways it started with Ryan Shazier in 2014, but we've seen the guys come after him, Rashawn Evans, um, Roquan Smith, Devin Bush, Devin White, obviously was starring in the Super Bowl all over the place. And those are the guys you're looking for, sideline to sideline guys. And I know the Browns have drafted a couple uh, uh, linebackers in recent drafts, Mac Wilson, and I think Taki Taki is the Browns guy, right? There's a, a, the, uh, there was one that the, the Lions drafted, a similar type player. But right, those guys have the athleticism, but this is next level athleticism and, and it would not surprise me if, you know, that was the direction the Browns went, should either one of those guys be there late in the first round. And then I'll ask you about a couple of defensive tackles because they're right around the Browns range as well with Christian Barmore out of Alabama and then Davion Nixon, who had just a spectacular season in Iowa this year. What do you like about those guys and how are they different? Yeah, they're both insanely athletic. And, and Barmore wasn't a starter last year at Alabama, but I heard folks at Alabama talking about him over the summer. So you try to watch them and, and, you know, you saw glimpses of things and it's hard to tell, especially on the interior defensive line. Well, guys don't have a lot of snaps exactly where they're at. And I think he was injured to start this season. So he didn't play immediately. And the last five games, you talk to folks at Alabama and, and they're like, just watch the last five. That's when things started happening. We saw him in the playoffs go crazy, but that athleticism, the quickness off the snap, he was better against the, the pass than the run uh, coming into the year. And I think he got progressively better at, at, at both, but He's not Quentin Williams, but he, he's that type of guy who went – I talked to Quentin Williams in Nashville at that draft, and I said, what were you doing 12 months ago? He said, 12 months ago, I didn't know I was going to even be starting. I was trying to win a starting job at Alabama, uh, and that's sort of the same thing with Barmore. 12 months ago, he was trying to win a job, and, and he certainly did that. But, uh, again, you have to remind myself this. These guys are young. They're going to get better. What you see isn't the finished product. So if you like that, if you like a guy who's quick off the ball, get into the, to the backfield and, and be very disruptive, Barmore is that type of guy. Then you line him up next to someone like Miles Garrett. That's a huge problem for the, to the other teams in the AFC North. I'm with you on, on, on Davion Nixon. He, I mean, you talk about a quick first step. You talk about a guy that's disruptive. He is disruptive against both the pass and the run. And, and I, I've heard 
not everyone loves them, but again, that's fine. I love them, and I go back and watch them and make sure that I love them. Yeah, I still love them. Uh, you know, he he's uh, an explosive player. Uh, you you watch some of the things he was able to do in terms of beating uh, offensive linemen off the snap, uh, up the snap. He's not going to be a one gap guy. Uh, he he's um or not he's not a two gap guy. Excuse me. He's he's playing like three tech and and just the way he is able to uh, move uh, with the, the the quickness with which he moves, given his size, is incredibly fun to watch. Unless you're the guy trying to block him, and, and I think he's a guy again who creates issues in gaps when guys like Miles Garrett are coming off the edge that make, make things incredibly hard uh, to consistently protect the quarterback or the running back uh, uh, when you have just sheer physical athletes making plays. Ryan, I, I appreciate your time. Uh, I know that uh, you've got to run. You've got, uh, I don't know which platform you're headed to next, but uh, <laughs> we, we appreciate all your time in the, in the final 30 seconds or so, you had five quarterbacks going in your top 13 in your latest mock draft, which you can find at cbssports.com, including Mac Jones. Uh, at 13, the Steelers moving up there, and I, everybody in the AFC North got all wide-eyed when they saw that. Do you see five quarterbacks going in, in say, the top 15 this year? Yeah, and I'm a huge Mac, Mac Jones fan, and a lot of people in the media aren't, and that's okay. Like I said, that, that's the hill I'm going to die on. Mac Jones and that pot belly is. That's that's the hill I'm dying on. And it's funny because, um, like I said, I, 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 um, I'm a Steelers fan, and I work with Browns fans and Bengals fans, and I actually asked both of them the other day, do you want Roethlisberger to come back or not? And they both, without hesitation, said yeah. So this is clearly great news for the rest of the AFC North. I'm not crazy about him coming back, but, you know, no one asked me before they decided to – uh, what looks like bringing back on a cheaper deal, and we'll, we'll see. I think it stunts the the moving movement forward of that organization in terms of the quarterback. Does it preclude them from taking a quarterback and trading up? No, I don't know if they'll do it. I mean, they have a ton of needs and no cap, cap space to do it. But I do think all five quarterbacks go in the top fifteen. I'm going to be interested to see what happens at number two. I mean, we've heard some talk that Trevor Lawrence isn't number one on everyone's board. All right, well, we'll see. I, I'm pretty sure he is, but that's fine. We can talk about it. That's something to do. But I want to see what happens to number two with the Jets. Are they going to roll with Zach Wilson or Justin Fields? Are they going to trade down and, and stick with Sam Darnold? And to me, that's where things get interesting. And it gets interesting in a hurry because, again, it, you can take Zach Wilson, but then there's Justin Fields. And do, does a team like the Falcons want Justin Fields? Does uh, What are the Eagles going to do at sixth? I mean, they got rid of Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson. I don't know what their plan is. Is it Jalen Hurts, who was good and bad last year? I don't know. And I mentioned Trey Lance. I think Trey Lance is going to be good. But again, you can't force a kid to play in 2021 when he played one game against Central Arkansas last year. And the year before that, he played in a super run heavy offense. But physically, he, he does everything you want these young, fast, physical, athletic quarterbacks to do strong armed. So yep, all five in top 15. I don't think a Kyle Trask or, or Davis Mills out of Stanford sneaks into the first round. I would actually be shocked if that happens. But I, I do feel pretty comfortable about um, teams moving up and teams moving up into the top 15 to get all these five quarterbacks. Ryan, appreciate the time. Continued success. Look forward to seeing you on CBS Sports, various platforms, and, of course, reading all your stuff that you do such a great job with on CBSSports.com. Continued success, and we'll talk with you soon. And hopefully we'll see you in Cleveland here in a couple months. Absolutely. That would be fantastic. Jason, Andrew, thank you so much. Thanks to Ryan Wilson, NFL draft guru for CBSSports.com, And you can also check him out on the pick six podcast. Appreciate his time and insight here. We are presented by our good friends at key private bank. I'm Jason Gibbs alongside Andrew Gribble. Gribbs, your big takeaways from Mr. Wilson's appearance here on the BPA. 
Uh, I'm getting myself feeling a little bit better uh, about the, the options that the Browns have on the defensive side of the ball. And I brought that up because I think two of the guys that a lot of other people think that are going to the Browns, he thinks are going way higher. And I, I the, the guy the guy at Notre Dame, Owusu Korma, he is the most intriguing guy in my eyes because he played linebacker at Notre Dame, but he only weighs 215 pounds. Uh, and that's, that's not, it's not, I mean, maybe it's big enough for the NFL, but uh, just a super athlete who could potentially do some hybrid stuff. But at the same time, do you already have that in Grant Delpit? And so it, it's a, it's a big question, but, and, and another question is, do the Browns even think about linebacker in the first round? So uh, it's getting more and more realization, getting more up to speed on some of these, these players. And I, I think the, the one thing that stands out with all these defensive players that are, that have been linked to the Browns is that they've either opted out or they had huge seasons last year. And so it's, there's like almost no in between. So uh, I will say for folks at home, the, the guy he has going to the Browns, Davion Nixon out of Iowa, Google his interception return for a touchdown last year uh, against Penn State, I believe. He, it's the one of the most athletic things I've ever seen a defensive tackle do in my life. Takes a, steps in front of screen pass, runs down the sidelines, jukes the quarterback, and then keeps running and outruns everyone to the end zone. It's, you don't see many 71-yard interception return for touchdowns by defensive tackles, uh, but Davion Nixon had one of those. So I, I, I wouldn't be opposed to that pick at number 26. Well, and he mentioned it. Like defensive tackle, if you're going to get one, it has to be early in the draft. He said if you're – you can use one of your picks in the first 60 if you have a couple picks well we have a couple picks so I mean obviously that is an option edge edge rusher and and of course he was pretty high on the corners in this draft saying it's a pretty deep class as well yeah and I think with defensive tackle it's it's going to be one of those things where we might reevaluate where we stand on that position after free agency because if you if you if you lose Larry Ogunjobi and really don't do much in free agency at that position all of a sudden it becomes a pretty big need uh, but if you maybe you bring back Larry, maybe you add a couple guys, then all of a sudden defensive tackle, considering you've got Sheldon Richardson, you got Jordan Elliott in the pipeline, Andrew Billings coming back, maybe then it doesn't seem as necessary to go for, for a defensive tackle in the first round. So a lot to be determined here in the next couple of months. All right. So we did talk about Ryan Wilson's mock draft. Uh, it, he thinks five quarterbacks going in the top 15, which is great because that just pushes the talent pool back towards us and allows guys to fall. And I would take, I hope that five quarterbacks go. I think it's a little bit of a stretch though. Yeah. Let me tell you, I would really enjoy the Pittsburgh Steelers bringing back Ben and then getting a quarterback in the first round. I don't think that's what he's signing up for. I don't think that's what he's taking a pay cut for. I, I don't, that, that to me would just be the most enjoyable scenario possible. Granted, I don't think it's going to happen, but and I honestly wouldn't feel great about them getting Mac Jones for the future, but for that one year of entertainment, I would, I would very much value it. But I do think we've gotten maybe a little bit silly with the quarterback discussion where we're now saying Trevor Lawrence isn't number one on everyone's board. Yeah. I'm not there yet. No, no. You, you're getting clicks. You're, you're going for clicks. Yeah. I mean, that's just like when we, maybe they're following my, my, my uh, pitch last year when I said to, to get some attention have a take that Joe Burrow is not the number one pick in the draft. So maybe that, maybe that's what people are following the blueprint to, to more, to more attention. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I think that we'll all expect Mr. Lawrence putting on a Jacksonville hat uh, that first night in Cleveland coming up here in just a couple months, nine weeks to be exact from right now. Thanks again to Ryan Wilson for his time. Uh, Combine was supposed to be this week. You and I talked about it last week a little bit, but I got to ask, what's the favorite restaurant? What's the place to go in Indy for one meal? Well, I think we're going to have the same answer here because we always end up at this place together a lot of the times. And it's, it's Iria's the old school Italian place. It's off the, not off the beaten path. It's like a mile and a half outside the city, but when you're walking everywhere, all of a sudden it feels like a big deal to get a, yes. a ride out there. Uh, but it's, 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 it's a must go every single time. It's I'm pretty sure that restaurant has not changed one bit in the last 30 or 40 years. It's the exact same thing. If you're sick and tired of the kind of the newfangled Italian, Iorias is the old school Italian that you, you grew up with and know and love so well. I will say, I do think it almost it goes back and forth with me for the second with St. Elmo's because obviously it, it was it's the one restaurant you associate with Indianapolis. Then I feel like everyone became too cool for St. Elmo's like that became like the, the touristy destination of, of your Indianapolis trip. But now after missing the combine this year, I'm excited to go back to St. Elmo's next year. I want I want the full touristy experience. I want the, the shrimp cocktail, everything like that. When we're back at the combine, I, I don't care if people are judging me and thumbing their noses at me. I'm going to the simplest places and that's St. Elmo's. I, you can't go wrong with a shrimp cocktail from St. Elmo's and you can't go wrong with a cannoli from Iarias uh, to close out your evening there. Uh, is it Nano? What? Nada? Nada. Yeah. Why did I think Nano? Why did I think that? Not a, you the can only thing that came into my mind. That's a solid third. It's a nice little taco option. Yeah, it's it's good. It's a good a good location. Good option there. I think they've got location. I think I've been to one in Cincinnati as well. So you can you can hit the spots as well outside of Indianapolis. But yeah, I mean that we end up there every year at some point. Yeah, it, there there are certain restaurants you just know that you're going to go to when you're in Indian. We are definitely missing uh, that city this week, and I, I know they're missing the NFL draft. I know they're going to get the NCAA tournament there, and all the all the people that are coming in for that. Not necessarily fans, but teams and administrators, and a limited number of fans, but. Uh, I know that uh, the NFL and the draft is and the combine is good for Indy and Indy is good for the NFL and the NFL combine. So uh, here's to being back there one year from now. Uh, this week's mock spotlight picked one out. I found one uh, SI.com Zach Petra, uh, author of the draft Bible for sports illustrated. Not going to lie. I had not heard a lot about Zach. But I read his mock draft, and I felt like it was up for discussion uh, on today's best podcast available. He has Cleveland trading up, trading up, not trading out, trading up to pick 14 in a trade with Minnesota, giving up pick 26, 59, which is our second rounder, and a second rounder next year to draft defensive end Quiddy Pay out of Michigan, one of the better defensive ends in this year's draft, he says. I, now, I'm not sure I, I see us going that high up, but thoughts from you on this? Well, I mean, it, it's one of those things. It's it's it, maybe you're looking at the difference between if you're drafted at 26, I don't think you lock in the guy as a starter on your defense going into to 2020. You, you maybe hope they develop and blossom, but 
once you get into the 14 range, that's someone that you draft that you're like, this guy should start. So it's, it's a matter of, do you decide we need a guy that needs to start on this defensive line opposite miles Garrett. And I think that's, that would be the decision you weigh with that. And uh, you know, I, it's, it's interesting. I tackled a question that was similar about this in my mailbag last week about what it would take it, uh, for the Browns to trade up into the draft. And I think the Browns do have the kind of assets you do need to make that kind of trade because they have nine picks, including an extra third rounder and an extra fourth rounder. So to go from 26 to 14, that's a pretty big jump. That's a 12 spot jump. And so I think his compensation is close to right on what it would take to, to move up historically. Uh, I look at what the Steelers did uh, two years ago, going from 20 to 10, and they gave up a first round pick, a second round pick, and then a future third. So maybe you don't have to give up the future second. I would not, I would like to be able to make that move without that, but, uh, and I would, I would personally enjoy being able to get rid of that Saints third round pick instead of having to give up the current second round pick. But that's probably, that's ballpark. That's, that's pretty close to what it would take, which on the surface doesn't seem like a ton to give up, to, to move up a pretty significant amount in the first round. But uh, it, it's still, you know, this is a smart front office that values its assets. And, and that's, that would be one that would maybe, I think, surprise, surprise some folks to, to make a move like that. I, I think it's more realistic to move up three or four spots as opposed to making one big jump up. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah, you, you move up a few spots and then the, it, the, the compensation gets really small, I, I would say. It, 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 would be, it would be something that you don't really even think twice about. And I, I look back at, at, at a team like the Seahawks and made a, made a trade with, with the Packers in 2019. All they had to do was they moved up from number 30 to number 21, and all they had to do was part with two fourth-round picks. I'll, I'll take that. that yeah. I'll, I'll, I have no problem stomaching that. See, the Browns do have two fourth-round picks. Well, and really, you're, you're trying to get ahead of Pittsburgh. If you're, gonna, if you're moving up, I would assume it's ahead of Pittsburgh to get someone from a defensive standpoint that you're worried about the Steelers possibly taking and snatching up. Yeah, a lot of similar needs between yeah. the Steelers and, and Browns in, in this year's draft. And, well, the Browns beat the Steelers, so the Steelers are picking it ahead of the, of the Browns. So I, I'll, I'll take that. You know, yes. I, I'll, I will, that, that was a victory that I will gladly take a few spots behind the Steelers in this year's draft. Yeah. Something to watch whether the Browns will move up. Maybe they move out of the first round. But it could make for an interesting night number one here in Cleveland, of all places, as well. Nine weeks from today. That's going to wrap up episode two of the best podcast available presented by our great friends at Key Private Bank. Make sure you log on to clevelandbrowns.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Like and subscribe today to the best podcast available. Also check us out on YouTube. You can watch us youtube.com slash Browns. Thanks to Ryan Wilson from cbssports.com for all of his insight today. Thanks to Jeff McDaniel for all of his hard work behind the scenes. For Andrew Gribble, I'm Jason Gibbs. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to the best podcast available presented by Key Private Bank.